You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is a commemoration day yes, today. Yes, it is. So we're going we're gonna to discuss that today with um, one of our favorite guests on The Saints. We'll do that in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. Today we head to Austin, Texas. We're talking with the Reverend Brian Wolf Miller. He's pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church and Jesus Deaf Lutheran Church in Austin, Texas, author of many, many books on just really helpful topics topics and excited to chat with him today. Pastor Wolf Miller, thanks for joining us on the Coffee Hour. Do you know August 10th is a double commemoration? Oh, by, you're welcome, by the way. It's a du- <laughs> because August 10th in the year 70 AD is the is the year that Nero destroyed, no, not, yeah, yeah, Nero destroyed Jerusalem. When, oh, it's yeah. the year that, Jeru- it's the day that the temple in Jerusalem fell that Jesus had prophesied. So August 10th, AD 70, a huge, a huge day in the history of the life of, of the church and in the history of salvation. So many things happen on that day. And I remember it because it's also the Kilgo's anniversary. Sean Kilgo, is he a guest on your show? It's, he, we yeah. haven't had him on in a while. He's on uh, Sharper Iron. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And also the day St. Lawrence was uh, cooked. So it's a double commemoration today. So that man, two commemorations. I, I didn't know about the 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 first one that you mentioned, but I was aware of the the commemoration of Saint Lawrence, and that's what I was hoping to talk about today. But if you have more on the the fall of the temple too, we, well, we it's that, this. So. It's there's a there's a it's an interesting thing is that in the historic one year lectionary in the kind of the rubrics, it was on the Sunday closest to the 10th of August, that they would read an actual excerpt from Josephus hmm. on oh. the fall of Jerusalem. And so Josephus, the ancient Jewish historian who is writing the history of the Jews for Rome, wrote about the siege of Jerusalem and all the torments and everything that happened in the destruction of Jerusalem. And they and the church would hear an excerpt of that every summer. And it, it was brutal. I mean, just horrible things happened. You, you you were reading Judges. It's like Judges. So they so they besieged Jerusalem. Maybe just I won't get into all the. Carrie always says, "Do you have to tell all these stories at dinner time?" You know, this is. But the <laughs> fall of Jerusalem is a bad one. They see they they did they they surrounded it. You know, they they besieged the city, and that is just a horrible way to be attacked because nothing is coming in or out. So no food can come in. No waste can go out. No, you're just trapped there. And the idea is you. You start to starve and then you give up. And so the stories of the things that happened under the under the siege of Jerusalem are people eating their shoes and then and it just gets worse and worse and worse. One of the stories that Josephus tells is that they found a couple when the siege was over, they found a couple of the Jewish men trying to smuggle gold out by eating it. And so they had swallowed their gold, and then one of the Roman soldiers either saw them retrieving some of the gold or whatever, and so they they cut open to search the bowels of something like six thousand men to see if there was gold inside of it. It was just an it was a terrible, horrible event, the fall of Jerusalem, and and it's probably reminds us of why Jesus laments as he's coming into Jerusalem. And he cries and says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you would have just known this, the day of your visitation, but now your house is left desolate. 
And so almost as if Jesus, what is that, 37 years earlier, sees Jerusalem in ruins and weeps over it. But like Jesus says, you were unwilling. And so they, they go to destruction. This is one of the reasons why Jesus says, when you see the abomination of desolation, run for it. Don't come, don't go into the house. If you're on the roof, don't go inside to gather up your lunchbox, just run for it. And the Christian history tells us that there was very few, if any, Christians who were trapped inside Jerusalem when it was besieged by Rome because of the warning that Jesus gave there in Matthew 24 and 25. Hmm. Fascinating, interesting, helpful. Morbid. I'm also, I agree with Mrs. Wolfmiller. Um, <laughs> well, that... I gave you the, I gave you the nice version. <laughs> oh, boy. We need to put a disclaimer on this episode. <laughs> Do not eat or do not listen. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be a helpful disclaimer because we're also going to to uh, discuss St. Lawrence yes. uh, commemorated today as well. What was significant about St. Lawrence and why the church commemorates him today? So here's a couple of things. He was a he was a martyr under the the martyr martyr or persecution of Decius, which was no, no, excuse me, Valerian. I got my uh, uh, wires crossed here. The persecution in Rome, 258, August 258, was this Valerian persecution, one of the 12 major or universal persecutions of the early church, if I am remembering right. And he was a young man. So Lawrence was born probably in Valencia over in Spain, which is a beautiful city. Spain is, itself is beautiful. and Valencia is especially beautiful. Born on December thirty first, two thousand twenty, or sorry, two hundred and twenty five, A.D. That makes him only twenty seven or twenty eight when he was martyred. He he moved to Rome with another Spaniard who became Pope Sixtus the second, and he was appointed to be a deacon. So he was not he he was serving in the church, probably in a lay office as the deacon of the church there in Rome probably was serving also as treasurer, preacher, maybe, and this sort of thing. So Valerius, the Roman emperor, gets after him and says, hey, I want to kill all you Christians unless you say Lord Caesar. So Sixtus refuses, and he is beheaded. That is commemorated on August the 6th. And so then this wicked emperor goes to St. Lawrence and says, if you want to live, gather up the riches of the church. And Lawrence tells him, okay, you got give me three days. It's a lot, you know, give me three days. So he then goes to, as the legend is, he goes and he distributes all the wealth of the church, which is maybe not a ton at this point, but he gives it away to the poor. And then three days later, he comes before the Caesar, before Valerian, and he and he brings all the poor of the church and he says, the church is truly rich, richer than even the Roman Empire. Here are the riches of the church. And he points to all the poor and the disabled. There's the blind and there's the beggars. And and that does not make, you can imagine, that does not make the uh, emperor particularly pleased with St. Lawrence. But this is, this Lawrence is, I mean, you can, he, 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 there's this sass when you read the martyr stories, you know, and, and Lawrence really captures that, that sassiness, uh, you know the martyrs are always the, the the emperors. The danger with the with the emperors with the tyrants is that they think that they are the judge of all and they are above judgment. And the Christian martyrs 
they just know better. And so they're not afraid to appear before these earthly judges and rulers because they know that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King, Jesus is judge, and that even these earthly rulers will have to face a judgment day. And so they have this sort of otherworldly confidence when it comes to to face to standing in the in the courtroom like Jesus I, I suppose promises well they'll bring you into court don't worry about what you'll say the Holy Spirit will give you the words so that the these martyrs know that they they shouldn't be afraid and I I love Saint Lawrence he's probably he ranks uh near the top of of my favorite saints I think just because he the snark that he brings uh, to the table and <laughs> the and the, the sass you're talking about but but understanding that that they have this confidence in Christ is such a a thing to for us to recognize and to understand about these martyrs and I know you love talking about martyrs and and their stories and what we can learn from them what do we gain from the story of Lawrence's life and his sure. witness. Sure. That's a great question because I think there's something different we're going to get from his life and then from his death, but there we, we want to learn from both. So first from his life, there's a I, I was reading an article. This was a nice little article by John Stone Street a couple of weeks ago. And the article was why wokeness is should be understood as a Christian heresy. And it's a fascinating argument. But the argument begins with this insight, and that is that in the ancient world, it was it was a kill or be killed kind of world. It was the strong do what they can kind of world. There was no honoring of the poor and the outcast. There was no sense that every person had human dignity by virtue of their being created in the image of God. That comes from Moses, and so the and and it's and it's even amplified by Jesus. So. Unless you had Moses and Jesus, in other words, you were Jewish and then Christian, you, you had no sense of universal human dignity, and the poor were despised. The poor were cast out. The poor were, they, they were not even fully human. And so St. Lawrence, when he, when he puts the poor before the emperor and says, here are the riches of the church, he's, he's, it's not just a sassy thing. He's, he's making a point. It is true that the poor are the riches of the church. It is true that the Lord Jesus loves the outcast. It is true that the Lord casts down the haughty from their seats, but the lowly and those of low degree, he exalts. That the Lord has a special place in his heart and in his kingdom for the widows and for the fatherless and for the destitute and for the poor. And we shouldn't forget that because as our culture is being more and more shaped by evolution, there's a way that the the poor get forgotten and get left behind. So so there's a there's a truth there that St. Lawrence is able to bring out in rebuke to the Roman worldview, the pagan Roman worldview, and also our modern pagan worldviews, and to recognize that every person has dignity and worth not based on their net worth, but based on their humanity. And so that's a great thing to to learn from his preaching and from, I mean, his, his joke there had a point. We have more to learn about St. Lawrence from Pastor Brian Wolfmiller in just a moment. 
so much more. I want to go back to some of the the details. I think we we skipped over or yeah, brushed sorry. over some of the details. Well, Sarah was excited I'm to so get to the end. Yes, uh, <laughs> but all good stuff. And and I'm learning so much. And this is very helpful. I have more to learn with Pastor Wolf Miller in just a moment. You're listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Pastor Wolf Miller. <laughs> You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Pastor Wolfeather. <laughs> See what I did? I, look at that. Don't you guys need a third co-host? That'd be fun. We do. Sure. Anytime. Oh, yeah, that's what, Anytime. <laughs> that's what we need. More cooks in this kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> We're learning about the St. Lawrence today on the, the commemoration of St. Lawrence, August 10th. Pastor Wolfner, I, I forgot to mention your book earlier, author of A Martyr's Faith in a Faithless World from Concordia Publishing House. So if you're enjoying learning about St. Lawrence today and want to learn more about those who have gone before us, great, great resource for that. Martyr's Faith in a Faithless World from Concordia Publishing House by Pastor Ryan Wolf Miller. Okay, St. Lawrence. Um, that's good too. And you know, I, I was digging into Luther's theology of the martyrs for that book. And then I had so many notes that I published a little book called Take They Our Life, Luther's Theology of the Martyrs. And you can download that for free. So if people want to get a little taste of this stuff, you can just go to wolfmuller.co and that book is somewhere and you can just download it and read it. I don't know, it's a hundred pages or something. So I like that title. What was the title again? And, and Take They Our Life, Martin Luther's Theology of Martyrdom. I think that's a title. Let me check. <laughs> Wait, didn't you write it? Yeah, I did. I can't. I think that's it's something like I know it's and take their life. It's Martin Luther's theology of martyrs or martyrdom, one of the, one of the other. But anyway, so back back to Saint Lawrence. What was what was unique about him? You shared with us quite a bit of the history. Well, a brief overview of the history of <laughs> him serving as a deacon. And and you you unpacked that a little bit. What is a deacon, or what was the office of deacon? How was it understood at that time? You're a deacon, Andy Bates. You should tell us. <laughs> I'm asking you, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> well, it comes from I don't actually know. So this here is the problem. I mean, so the the what deacons have done, like in the uh -huh. Book of Acts, we see the seven that were appointed as deacons to help with the administration of the church. And, and so that the apostles were set apart for the work of preaching and prayer. The deacons were set apart for the kind of running of the church. It's That office has morphed over the last 2,000 years. But probably that was the idea, that Lawrence would have been a, a godly man. He would have mm -hmm. been trained in the scriptures. So he would have been a theologian, but he would have had mostly practical work to do. And so that's why... He would have had, perhaps he was treasurer or sort of the, the accountant, and so he would have had access to the funds of the church, which is why Valerius goes after him. That, But but it was certainly, yes, it was like everything in the church. I mean, even the, yeah, yeah, everything practical the church does should be 
flavored with the doctrine. And so we, we get that in Lawrence, that he was certainly a godly man who was considering the scriptures and, and then willing to go and give his life for his faith and confession in Christ uh, unafraid. So you got to imagine his friend is behead, beheaded and he knows that's coming. And he spends three days setting things up for his own impending martyrdom. It's kind of amazing. You, you know, he doesn't spend three days running away from Rome. He doesn't spend three days shaking in the corner. He spends three days distributing the wealth to the poor and setting up this magnificent testimony, knowing that it's going to make the emperor mad. And it does. The emperor gets so mad. So you see, it's kind of, you know, normally they would just take the Christians and, and cut their heads off. But then I mean, when they got really riled up, they would they would burn them at the stake. Or if they had some gladiators around and some animals, they'd feed them to the animals. They, they love that kind of stuff. But you see, what, when the martyrs make these emperors really mad, they start devising new ingenious ways to to kill them. And it seems like that's what happened with St. Lawrence. They had Sometimes they'll have a metal chair or a metal cross. It seems like on this time they had a metal grate, and the emperor said, cook them. And so that's that's one of the that's why St. Lawrence is the patron saint of cooks and also comedians, because when they were cooking them, he said famously, legendarily, who, who knows, but it's why not? He said, I'm done on this side. <laughs> Turn me over. <laughs> so so he wanted to be, uh, you know, evenly cooked on both sides as they were as they were roasting him. And, and OK, so there's two and there's two things that come out of this. Number one is that. The, the martyrs are not afraid of the pain of death. We are so afraid of pain. But that fear of pain and the fear of death is what Hebrews calls bondage to the devil. So in Hebrews 2, it says that Jesus, by his death, destroyed him who had the power of death, the devil, and set us free who were our whole life held bondage to the fear of death. So the so that so the martyrs it's so, well, this is one of the most helpful reasons for us to study the martyrs because when we see them facing all these tortures with without blinking with this sort of joyfulness with this idea that like Agnes said martyr Agnes says that the flames that burn me last for a for an hour the flames that burn you last forever you know this kind of zing then it gives us confidence also to suffer. So here's here's Luther. I think this is this is Luther on Psalm 116. I see now, and he says he says that martyr. You could read in any martyr suffering that they have agony with confidence, like Saint Lawrence. These martyrs do these things in their sufferings. It's clear. So the, this confidence in the midst of suffering and persecution. Is what the mar- This is why the martyrs are our heroes, and and they teach us to suffer with confidence. But there's even more than that, which I want to get to. But I want to maybe uh, let me pause there to see if if there's something we won't need to lean into there with his death and what we learn from that. I'm curious what more you have to say, quite honestly, because we'll run out of time eventually. <laughs> well, so so th- this gets to the next idea. Which is not only does the does the Lord give us relief in the midst of suffering, and we read this over and over in the stories of the martyrs that there was that the Lord miraculously protected them from the agony of it, or that 
it's you know that there was they somehow escaped it not not always sometimes they feel the the pain but a lot of times the lord gives them relief from the midst of it and it seems to me like that has been borne out in experience i mean i've been at i'm not sure how many deathbeds and it's always seems so much worse to the people who are there than to the people who are dying but there's there's a trick that the devil plays in in the martyrdom in the martyrdom of the Lord's saints, and that is that the the Lord uses the devil to bless them. So the devil comes and presses hard on Sixtus II and on Lawrence, thinking that he's going to win the victory. But he ends up he it, it it's a reverse move. It's like spiritual jujitsu. So let me read you. So here's the end of a of a paragraph of a sermon pe- preached by Pope Gregory. So think five fifty or something on the Feast of St. Lawrence. It says, this is, so this is how Gregory ends his sermon. You gain nothing, you prevail nothing, O savage cruelty. His, Lawrence's mortal frame, is released from your devices. And when he departs to heaven, you are vanquished. The flame of Christ's love could not be overcome by your flames, and the fire which burnt outside was less keen than that which blazed within. But you served the martyr in your rage, O persecutor. You but swelled the reward in adding to the pain. For what did your cunning device, which did not redound to the conqueror's glory, when even the instruments of torture were counted as part of the triumph? Let us rejoice then, dearly beloved, with spiritual joy, and make our boast over this happy end of this illustrious man in the Lord, who is wonderful in his saints, in whom he has given us as a support and an example— and has so spread abroad his glory throughout the world that from the rising of the sun to its going down, the brightness of his deacon's light does shine. And Rome has become as famous in Lawrence as Jerusalem was ennobled by Stephen. This is, it's, it's beautiful that, that those who try to vanquish him are by the very act of destroying the martyrs giving them their victory. Luther quotes this ancient hymn, which says, unknowingly they lead us to glory. So whenever we get sick, whenever we suffer, whenever we die, whenever we're persecuted, the devil is taking us by the hand and helping us go to the very place where we want to go, heaven itself in the face of Jesus. (laughs) It's like the devil wants to destroy us and and he ends up leading us to glory. The devil wants to kill us, and he ends up taking us to eternal life. The persecutors want to afflict us, and they end up bringing us to bliss. The world wants to wants to ravage us, and it ends up strengthening our hope and our faith until those give way to the glorious vision of the face of Jesus. And, and so it is with Lawrence, so it is with us, that, that, that there's nothing that the devil can do, because we in life and in death be, belong to Jesus. And everything that the devil does now, in fact, can you imagine, serves us and blesses us. Thanks be to God for that. <laughs> it's fascinating. It's f- fantastic. It is fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. And I think maybe in our culture, people might think we're a little morbid for, I don't know, celebrating saints and talking about how they've died. Because these are very gruesome deaths for 
well, all of them. And it can come off as a little morbid that we're like, hey, look at how this person died. But what is that witness that we have to our culture about when we celebrate and commemorate these saints days? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot there to unpack. I mean, we, we live in a culture that wants to pretend like we're not dying. Like, you know, so uh, the COVID came about and everyone's like, whoa, you mean I have to die? It's like, well, yeah, you you were going to die. <laughs> you didn't. Didn't you know that? I mean, what if there's if there's anything from human history that we ought to observe, it, it is that nobody nobody makes it through. Everybody dies. I mean, there's maybe three people who didn't. Elijah and Enoch and. That's it, actually. <laughs> you know, Jesus rose from the dead. Everybody's got to die. We pretend like what is the they were there's I remember the COVID thing. The mortality rate is one or point one or point zero zero whatever. But you really the, the mortality rate of life is a hundred percent. You got to got so we live in this culture that wants to pretend like we're not going to die. I mean, which is just utter foolishness. We're gonna die. It's gonna and it's. And you might die from being sick. You might die from being old. You might die from being hated, which is how the Christians are used to dying. And and that's fine. It's just it's the way it goes. This is the world will hate you. There's a Luther line, which is kind of amazing. He says when when they were seeing the new martyrs come in the Reformation, he says, now the true pattern of Christian life has emerged. So the true pattern, the normal way that Christians die is through is through persecution and martyrdom, and if the Lord preserves us from that, it's a it's a special blessing, it's a unique blessing that He gives to us. So, so we're going to die, and that's part of our joy. I mean, it's what we long for. Paul says, Paul says, uh, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain, but to stick around is better for you. But but this is the always the Christian attitude is that death brings us to life eternal that the end of the world is the beginning of the new heaven and the new earth, and we have a longing for these things. And and rather than, what, what you know, there's this old kind of insult, we're, our, we, our minds are too stuck in heaven to be any use on earth. No, that's the opposite is the, is the case. When we have this confidence that we're going to live forever, it gives us the, the freedom to love and to serve and to be about more than simply self-preservation. Which is the the highest the highest motivation for people who do not know Christ and do not have the hope of heaven, because for them death is the end of everything. But for for us, death is just the how do we say it? the 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 portal to the to life immortal. And and so we we have a different way of living because we have a different way of dying. And and the the hope that we have in heaven echoes into our present and current life. And gives us joy in the midst of sorrow, and light in the midst of darkness, and and peace even in the midst of torment, and confidence in the midst of death. So it's good for us to remember these martyrs because, again, you know who who your heroes are. That's you. We want to live like our heroes. It's amazing that the Christians say, "Okay, here are my heroes." You know, Lawrence who got cooked, or or Agnes who got burned at the stake, or. Perpetua, who got gored by a cow, or Stephanus, uh, who was who was stoned to death, Stephen, or but it has to be that way. If if our God is the man Jesus dying on the cross, then you, you can't imagine any different heroes than those who who died confessing that Jesus is Lord, and upon their death 
got to see that reality. Jesus seated on the throne of the universe, crowned in glory. Whew. Our guest today, the Reverend Brian Wolfmiller, is pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church and Jesus Deaf Lutheran Church in Austin, Texas, author of A Martyr's Faith in a Faithless World from Concordia Publishing House and And Take They Our Life, Martin Luther's Theology of Martyrdom. We can find A Martyr's Faith from Concordia Publishing House, cbh.org. Where can we find And Take They Our Life? Wolfmuller.co. Just CO. I couldn't afford the M. So wolfmuller.co, and there's a tab for books, and there's a ton of free books to download there, including that one, and Take Their Life, Martin Luther's Theology of Martin. And I did an audio book, which is just me reading it. I don't know if that counts as an audio book, but that's hanging around there somewhere, too. So people can find it there on the website with a bunch of other theological goofing off. (laughs) Pastor Wolf Miller, thanks so much for joining us today for the commemoration of St. Lawrence. Thanks for being our guest on The Coffee Hour. My pleasure. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Pastor Wolfmuller. <laughs> the Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Don't